This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. In Psalm 102, and that is uh, a Psalm of David. It is, it is a fairly lengthy Psalm. And it is what is described as a prayer for the afflicted. And, and David does go into his, his feelings, what he feels about the situation that he's in. And, and oftentimes I feel in the past, in my younger days, I would have told you that I could identify with this at some point in time in my life, but not a lot. Now that I'm older and uh, deal with a lot more people, uh, especially people with issues and troubles and, and, and difficulties, I would imagine that this is more uh, the norm. This is more the norm than it is than it is the the exception. I I deal with a lot of people who who are constantly in struggles, and maybe that's just because of what I'm dealing with. But I, I do get the feeling that in life there are lots and lots of people who struggle and who have deep struggles. And and their feelings, how they feel in the midst of them, are, are real and can be debilitating. And as we're dealing with them, I would just say, as you're looking at this and as you're uh, thinking about it and as you're studying it, I would say that more likely than not, you have several people in your life that feel this way on a continual basis. And and the purpose you have for them is to uh, is to be salt and light to them, be, be life to them, but also to breathe faith into them and to give them hope and faith. And so he says, hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. This is a long psalm, so I'm going to move fairly quickly. He says, hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. This is a notice. It's a cry. It's not a shout. It's not a, it's not something of joy. It's a lament. He says, do not hide your face from me in the day of my trouble. And, and that's the greatest fear is that God is not is not hearing them. It is fear. So by definition, it is the opposite of faith, but it is real fear that God is not hearing their cry and God is not turning or inclining his ear to them. And that's what he asked. He says, don't turn your faith from me in my day of trouble. Incline your ear to me in the day that I call. Answer me speedily. And these people want, and, and oftentimes this is a, a truth, they want a speedy and quick fix to the problem. And especially those with addiction, a quick fix is what they're looking for. They're looking for that rush of, I don't remember what it's called, but endorphins in their head. And that rush of endorphins is provided for by whatever their addiction is. And that can be a myriad of things. And I'm not just talking about chemical addiction. I'm just talking about every kind of addiction possible. That rush of endorphins, is what they need and they want that quick speedy fix so that they're so that they feel better all right he says for my days are consumed like smoke and notice 
when you're in that situation and you're in depression and you're in a, a deep anxiety and struggle, it seems like the days just, they just pass and nothing's happening. And my bones are burned like a hearth, meaning, and, it, and, it, and this really, in my understanding, this really seems to be a, a, a speaking from an addictive person's point of view, especially a chemical. My bones burn like a heart. That's that inner pain that comes from, well, from not having whatever you're addicted to. And, and I do know that alcohol can cause that feeling. And I wonder if David is dealing, is telling us of someone and coming from that perspective that he knows. My heart is stricken and withered like grass. Notice, there's just a wilting to it. It's that just that whole body language of wilting and body language of pain. You can see it. He says, so that I forget to eat my bread. Now that really is a, a especially in modern diet times, that really is beginning to make you think that David is talking about someone who is who is struggling with probably some kind of chemical addiction. Back then, you said, "Well, did they have chemical?" Absolutely, they did. Yeah, they did. In fact, in fact, the Greek word for sorcery is the word pharmaka, which we get pharmacy or, or pharmaceuticals from, and they definitely used uh, hallucinogenic substances that they had found to induce induce whatever state that was and they believed that, that was a sorcerer state or they'd go into some kind of trance or some idea like that they definitely had those things maybe not as powerful as they are today probably not as near as powerful as they are today but they definitely had and people obviously if they're addicted to opi opium has been around for ever and ever and and opium is highly addictive and opium, the opium fields of the world are not more than uh, 500 miles from where this is being written, 500 to 1,000 miles away. The, the this that they this could very well be an opium type addiction that he's talking about. He says, and when that when a person is addicted to that or alcohol, and obviously alcohol addiction would have been going on back then, they do forget to eat. All they care about is the, the drugs. Because of the sound of my groaning, my bones cling to my. And that's that. That's that feeling on the inside that you're dying, and in all actuality, an alcoholic when they're on uh, when they're drying out or in a very uh, precarious medical state, you can die from from that. And I know that because my sister deals with it oftentimes in the jail. People having to come off of alcohol and, and being in the jail, so it's, it can be very it's very precarious. He says, "I'm like a pelican of the wilderness. I'm like an owl of the desert." Notice. Everything's dry and there's nothing out there for him. He says, I lie awake and I'm like a sparrow alone on the housetop. Wow, it, it, there's a feeling of just being totally alone. And that's what I was saying is that you have to be salt and light to them and you have to breathe hope and faith into their lives because that's the only way for them to ever get to a place where they can actually overcome that addiction is that they have hope and life breathed into them. My enemies reproach me all day long, and those who deride me swear an oath against me. In, in this context, the way I've been reading this uh, and studying this today, of course, you could study it again and put somebody who's dealing with depression into this context, or put somebody who's dealing with some loss that they've had in their life, and they're deeply sorrowful. You could put them in that context of verses 3 through 7, and you could see very similar things. And very similar results, you, you would see that the similarities between those and all this. 
And then there's, then there is the paranoia that comes with that. My enemies reproach me all day long. Those who deride me swear an oath against me. Notice there's the feeling that not only are you isolated, but there's a feeling that people are out to get you. And, and that happens a lot that people are out to get you. For I've eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping. And notice there's such sorrow that there's continual crying. He says, because of your indignation and your wrath, for you have lifted me up and cast me away. And there's that feeling of separation from God. And that is going to exist. And especially if you have, a, if, if the person actually has a relationship with God and you would be shocked at how many people find themselves in this situation who have a genuine relationship with God and that are born and have in the past walked with God and have fallen into this trap. And they feel like God has totally abandoned them. And the truth is that they've wandered away from God's plan for their life, but there's still that feeling of abandonment and, and not knowing how to get back to God. And that's where you step in. Like I said, that's where you step in. He says, my days are like a shadow that lengthens. And, and notice the day doesn't have anything to do with the sun. It has to do with the darkness, the shadow that lengthens. He says, and, and I wither away like grass. Another Notice another withering, that whole body language, and that body language. But you, O Lord, shall endure forever and the remembrance of your name to all generations. And notice there's that when you begin to breathe hope into somebody, they begin to realize that there's something beyond the momentary pain that they're dealing with. He says, you will arise and have mercy on Zion, meaning God's going to rise up and give us mercy, not what we deserve. He's, he's not going to give us what we deserve. That's what mercy is. We don't get what we deserve. We don't experience what should be the natural results of our actions. He says, you will rise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her, for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. Notice there is a time of redemption and there is a time of healing and there's a time of deliver for those people. And it very, may, may very well, well be that you're the vehicle that makes that happen. He says, for your servants take pleasure in her stones and show favor to her dust. Notice we take pleasure in, in, we take pleasure in God's power and the rock of his uh, salvation and being in his presence on top of his mountain. He says, so the nation shall fear the name of the Lord. Notice there's deliverance that's coming from this and there's power that we understand. He says, for the Lord shall build up Zion. He's going to build up his kingdom. And, we, and if that person has a relationship with God, knows God, they have the ability to know him in his completeness and be built up by him, even in the midst of all these feelings and all the struggle that's taken, that takes place in verses three through. He says, he shall regard the prayer of the destitute and he shall not despise their prayer. Verse 17 is a great message of hope. Um, he, uh, a great message of, message of hope. That last line of verse 16, he says, she shall appear in his glory. He shall regard the prayer of his destitute and he shall not despise their prayer. That word shall is a very firm in the legal community. Shall is, shall has no waiver in it. It is exactly you shall, meaning this is going to happen. And so notice uh, he's going to appear to in his glory, meaning he's going to come to them. He is going to regard their prayer, meaning he's going to hear what they have to say, and he's going to regard the prayer of who? The destitute, those who are with nothing, those who are, who are without hope and without uh, means of sustenance. 
he says, Ayusha, and notice he's not going to despise their prayer. He's going to hear it and he's going to he's going to care. He's going to understand it. And those three those three sentences, those three lines right there, are the message of hope that we have for people. God here, God's going, God is here, God does hear you, and God is actively at work in your life, and he does not despise what you say. He is listening. He says this will be written for all the generations to come, meaning this is not just for right now. This is something that's always going to be because this is the character of God. He says that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. Notice that people that nobody even knows of that are to come are going to praise him because that characteristic in nature that we find at the end of verse 16 and end of verse 17 is a continual characteristic of God. It is his nature. It is his very character at work in the world. For he looked down from the heights of his sanctuary. From heaven, the Lord viewed the earth. Notice God is above all things, and yet he is intimately involved in all things. To hear the groaning of the prisoner, to release those appointed to death, to declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. Notice he, he is intimately involved in the struggles of the people. He, he, he hears the groaning of the prisoner, and that's not just the prisoner in jail, although that does mean the prisoner, but he hears the groaning of the prisoner, those who are, 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 are captured by addiction and those who are captured by sorrows and those who are captured uh, by depression. He hears the ones who are, who are prisoners. He says, to, to declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem, when the people are gathered together and the, and the kingdoms to serve the Lord. He's got a plan. And like I said, in verse 16, 17 is our message of hope to those who are the prisoners. He says, he weakened my strength in the way. He shortened my days. I said, oh my God, do not take me away in the midst of my days. Your years are throughout all generations. Notice he's saying, I felt like I was about to, I was about to pass and I asked God not to, not to take my life, but to give me life. He says, do not take away uh, take me away in the midst of my days. Your years are throughout all generations. Of old, you laid the foundations of the earth, meaning God has the power to sustain us. If he made what is, he has the p power to sustain that which is, and he does. He says, of old, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. He says, yes, they will grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will change them and they will be changed. Notice, they grow old, but you endure. We're like a cloak that gets worn out, and then God changes us and makes us alive again. And you can literally see that wilting person who's in the midst of the struggles that we've discussed. And then all of a sudden, the life breathes, breathes into them. It's literally the breath of life. The power of the Holy Spirit breathes into them and and there is a fresh anointing and there's a fresh look and there's hope that's in their eyes and a fresh message in their heart. And all of a sudden, deliverance has happened. And that that is possible. It's not always possible in the moment for everyone you deal with, but you never know what moment is the moment for them. And a message of hope and a, 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 a an ability to empathize and, and I, I would say this to you as a believer, I, I think you need to be around and be, be in the presence of, that you can breathe hope into because I think there is an important ability to empathize 
and to, to understand and be familiar with the sufferings of people in the world. I think that's very important because obviously that was one of the things that Jesus did and it's one of the things that makes him Lord. And so if we want to be like Christ, it's very important that we're able to empathize with those. We're able to be familiar with their sufferings. That's what the Bible says that Jesus was. It means he became intimate with their sufferings. He understood their sufferings. He saw their sufferings. He could identify with those sufferings. And his heart was one with them in the midst of those sufferings. And yet he was the source of deliverance from those sufferings. But first you do have to, you, there, there has to be an element of you having empathy for those who suffer. And I, I would say this, I'd say this, that I have learned more about this in the last five to 10 years of my life than I ever imagined I would. And it is heart-wrenching at times to deal with it. But I will say this, I, I think I am a better man because I am familiar with people's sufferings and I can identify with those sufferings. And I have a message of hope uh, for those sufferings. And you do too. And you should have those a message of hope for those sufferings because God is God has, is completing a good work in you. And that work is to be like Christ. And Christ was familiar with our suffering. And I think that, uh, I think a person that, that cannot empathize with suffering, I will, I'm going to make this statement. A person, and this is an important statement, a person who cannot identify with the sufferings of those around them usually has such deep pain in their life that they want to push all suffering away so that they do not recognize it or deal with the pain in their own life. And that is the truth. I deal with four judges that are in the circuit that I am, one that's a, a judge in the area, and I deal with the three that are in the circuit in the area. And I'm very thankful that they are men who can identify with the suffering of the people around them and that they're dealing with, and they have empathy for those things. Now, they have to mete out justice and do what's right, but they have empathy for them so that if there is an opportunity to provide some hope and some life and maybe change a direction or change a life, they step in and they try to make that happen. And I say that just because that's something I deal with on a daily basis. I'm telling you, that makes you a wise and that makes you a powerful believer when you're able to get past your own inadequacies and your own sufferings and empathize with those who suffer around you and provide them hope and life that you've experienced from God, you provide that to them. And, and if you're not able to do that, I would say this to you today, that you need to dig deep into those pains that you've covered up for all those many years because those pains need to be healed and there's only one that can heal them and that's God himself. And you need to let him have Adam and uh, you need to be real about those things. And once you are real about those things and realize that maybe God is in the midst of healing you uh, from maybe some deep pains of the past, when you realize that, you're, you're going to have a lot more joy and a lot more hope. And the older you are and the more hard you are on the outside, let me tell you, the, the less likely it is that you're going to experience that deliverance that God has for you. But you don't have to be, just because you're old don't mean you have to be hard. And just because you've been through a lot doesn't mean your heart has to be hardened toward God. In fact, it might mean that you are the prime candidate to be the power of God to the world around you. And you see it as something that is horrible that has happened in your life. And you see it as such a terrible struggle in the day that you're in. And you see it as something that you just want to cover up and forget about. 
And God would say, he wants to uncover it. He wants to heal it. And then he wants to use the greatness of that healing in your life for you to be light to those around you. And so do not cover up the pain of your life. Do not cover it up. Take it to the, take it to the throne room of heaven. He says, of the, of the old, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hand. They will perish, but you will. And yes, they will grow old like garments, like a cloak. You will change them and they will be changed. Notice those pains are going to be changed. They're going to be fixed, but you are the same and your years will have no end. Notice God is always doing this. This is a constant work of God. And he's speaking to the eternality, the eternal nature of our God and the eternality that God has given us. And you say, has God given us that nature? Yes, he has. Jesus says, those whom the Father give me, I give them eternal life. Notice what he said. Those whom the Father give me, notice God chooses, he gives Jesus us. Those whom the Father gives gives me, I give them eternal life. The children of your servants will continue and their descendants will be established before you. Notice the children of your servants will continue. God will continue his work and he'll complete it in your life and their descendants and your prodigy and that which you have done will continue also to endure. The work that God does in you and then the work that you do in others because of that work that God has done in you and because of the leadership of the Holy Spirit, that work endures forever. Your treasure continues to grow because your faith has had feet and had a mouth in the world and it has changed the world and we should be that. He said, and their descendants will be established before you. God is at work and there are a lot of people in pain and suffering and there are a lot of people who are in struggles and our job is to help them in the midst of those struggles. Our job is to be salt and to be light in the midst of those struggles. Our job is to be salt, which means to be different, to be light, which means to open their eyes and allow them to see truth. And the way we do that is we have a message of hope and a message of faith, a message of hope. They're really the same Greek word, but there are two aspects of that great gift that God has given us. The message of hope is that there's something down the road that's better than the day. And that, that which is down the road that's better than the day comes from the eternal God who made all those things and they're already made. And the message of faith is, is that they can trust God. And if they trust God, they will see the goodness that is to come. And we need to have that message of hope and faith each and every day for those around us that we might give them and breathe into them the life that God has breathed into us. May we do that today. May we be actively involved in doing that. And may we see, see it. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.